On this episode of AV Week, we talk about drones and the FAA, what that means for integrators, how content creation can help your firm get more customers, plus what do you need to know when hiring a live staging and events company, all that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like HD Base T. This is AV Week, episode 252, recorded Friday, June 24th, 2016. The FAA and drones. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you are listening or watching this podcast, if you're watching it live, happening on Friday afternoon, the 24th of June. Welcome. I uh, hope you have a very wonderful weekend. If you're in the Midwest, get ready to sweat. Uh, with us this week is uh, my buddy, pal, left side of my brain, an all-around good guy, Mr. George Tucker. How are you, sir? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, also with us is Christopher Neto from AV Help Desk. Hello, sir. How are you, sir? How you doing? Doing good. If you're watching the video, Chris is is uh, is in a uh, confinement zone. Uh, he's in a. I can't tell you where I am. Exactly. Kind of top secret. Government government uh, protection. So. Absolutely, a lot of that. Going. Last but not least, uh, newbie here. So be nice to him, gentlemen. His name is Jay Myers. He's from in, uh, Innovative Solutions Incorporated. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, a couple things real quick, guys, before we get started. Um, one thing, um, a couple things have been happening uh, news-wise and, and crazy stuff. Um, the UK just said they didn't want to be part of, of, of EU anymore. And, oh, yeah, the, the government in the U.S. is saying weird things about net neutrality. And the courts are saying weird things about net neutrality as well as uh, Rule 41. If you go to our website, avnation.tv, Josh Schrago and actually Bradford Ben have written some really interesting things on both of those two things. Nothing to do with the EU, but 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 the net neutrality thing and the Rule 41, so check that out. Um, our buddies over at Commercial Integrator have released the 40 under 40 application process. Is that right, Chris? That's right. All right, so if you are under 40 or you know someone under, under 40, uh, hook them up with an award. Um None of us are eligible anymore. Just want to put that out there. Tucker's really not eligible. So, uh, so what? So nope. this is um, he's very not eligible. He's very not eligible. And the last thing is is uh, uh, a company called um, I extraordinarily not <laughs> uh, called. Hey, uh, hey Tim, I'm going to go for the top sixty under sixty. There we go. <laughs> See, um, there's a, a there's a an organization called Insulate. And uh, they do a thing called uh, the Installation Awards uh, over in, in, actually, in the UK. Um, and some really good buddies that we met, actually, at ISE this year, our, our friends over at How to AV, got an award. Um, underwriter of Aviation, uh, Biamp, got a, a Hall of Fame award. Um, Kevin McLaughlin, one of his team, got an award. So if you're, if you're on the Twitters, uh, look up hashtag install awards, and you'll find all, all sorts of really cool people. I wish we could do something like this in the States. 
the the th- the folks in the in the UK they do award ceremonies right. They've got one. Uh, our our friends over at, at AV Magazine do an award ceremony in September. I just want to see Tucker in a tux. That's my bottom line. So, um, yeah, and, and top hat. Yes. So, all right. Let's get uh, let's get the stories down going on the road. I mentioned the government and and God love them. There, the U.S. is you know we're wherever the heck we're doing. One thing that's happened this week: the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, has released. Uh, they and the DOT are finalizing the rules for small unmanned aircraft systems. If you're not familiar with that terminology, it's a fancy smancy way of saying drones. So let's just say drones from now on. Um, this, ha- this happened earlier this week, June 21st. Today, the Department of Transportation and FAA has finalized the first operational rules for routine commercial use of small unmanned aircraft systems, UAS or drones, on uh, opening pathways towards fully integrating drones into the nation's airspace. These new regulations work to harness new innovations safely to spur job growth, advance critical science research, and save lives. Not sure I believe everything from that press release. Uh, But Mr. Tucker, we're going to start with you. One year ago, Infocom, the organization, uh, released to us saying that drones are part of AV. We've debated this back and forth for over 12 months now. I think Mike Blackman from ISC has finally convinced me that yeah, you, we're we're there, right? We I can see some some use cases. Stampede has had two um, pavilions now um, in the states. They had a pavilion at ISC demonstrating drones and how drones work in AV. What does this do for the for the folks in the U.S. and, and the U.S. market and the U.S. integrator to have the government saying, "Here's some rules, here's some regulations. Now, now go innovate." I'm still not sold that they're part of AV, despite what you just said. <laughs> In what case scenario are the AV beyond survey? Yeah. Now, I've because you're not going to replace the guide wire stuff, say in the NFL or or oh, footy, no, no, no. because they're going to fall out, and you're not going to replace crane cameras because Lord knows we've talked about how many times Julio Iglesias got cut and almost lost thumbs because he grabbed one when it was hovering near him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they these things are not light puppies either, so. The camera alone that they sometimes carry for HD is, if it falls out of the sky, you're hurting people. So I still don't see a case scenario. Although there is one that the, there's a guy, though, uh, Kim Burgess, I believe. He's from New Zealand. She sent me an article about how they're using it for, like, sort of um, the mesh networking and the guys that do these sort of mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the hive The hive thumb. The hive thumb. They use, yeah. With, with the with LED lights. On them. Yeah. And doing projection systems. Interesting. Novel. I don't know if I'm sold. Back to your question, though, what does this mean for the U.S.? It means that we're going to have to get permits for it. And it means that, yes, you'll be able to use them, and we'll probably find use cases that fit. But I just don't see I just don't see the function of them. They're not a microphone cable. They're not a new array mic. They're not I just real use case that's going to be worth everything we've talked about. All right, Mr. Neto, where do you uh, where do you come down on this? Drones, what? Jeez. All right. I mean, seriously, dude, I, I've given it a shot. I've I've tried. Um, I, I've I've beaten the dead horse. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I'm feeling kind of, you know, depressed about the fact that we're talking about it. I'm not kidding. Drones have a purpose in other applications. I see it on TV. 
with uh, the, the, the geo, um, geospatial stuff or whatever they're doing with land surveying. It's great for search and rescue. It's great for all those things. I think there there is a home for drones. Uh, I just don't find it in the corporate setting, which is where I work, uh, doing AV. Uh, maybe on the on the live events and staging, you know, type stuff. There's some small applications. Uh, definitely on the broadcast side, replacing you know uh, the big sweeping shots with these little you know with the flying drones and the camera attached to it. I, yeah, they're there. But with this, uh, when you start getting the rules and regulations put in change the operation of how these things are being done. It's not your average Joe now that's going to have these things. You know, um, people for last year or so, I started seeing and hearing about people with drone pilot, you know, business cards. Uh, that's great. Now go get a license, dude. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to fly that drone through my house or through my windows. So now you're, you're, you're regulating it. You're requiring um, the license and insurance and all that. Yes, it's a much safer thing. And there's been some close calls with drones, you know, yeah. as far as accidents and, you know, things going horribly wrong. You're right, George. These things are not light. They do kick up a lot of wind. They've taken Enrique Iglesias' uh, fingers almost off. God, that guy's a national treasure in wherever he's from, Puerto Rico. <laughs> I mean, please, there's – I'm sure Univision is going nuts that they almost lost Enrique Iglesias. But besides the point, um, you, you, you're putting the regulations into it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, from a, you need to be experienced. These are not your kids' RC planes. You know, let's separate that. These are not toys. And I think for a lot of us in the AV side, we've always looked at them as well. Oh, these are great. They sell them at Seven Eleven on the corner. Those are different types of drones than these things. The things that Stampede is cut is 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 carrying are not small by any means. You know, they're these are these are things that if they fall out of the sky, they're going to hurt you. Not T one. You know, Terminator type stuff, but, you know, it'll put a dent in you. All right, Jay, you've got the last word on this. Where do you, where do you stand on, on whether or not, uh, wh whether it's the regulation here or, or the conversation has turned now to whether or not drones are, are, are viable in AV? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm with these guys, Chris and, and George. I mean, particularly George, you know, it, it, talking about the fact, the practical side of it, I mean, yeah, you know, what do, where do you use this? It, it seems like a sizzle factor if you want to bring somebody into your booth at Infocom, you know, that you sell drones and things. But the, the reality, that when I was thinking through it is application-wise, where you might be able to use it. And, and uh, Chris was saying something about surveys. I'm thinking real estate people that, you know, some maybe yep. some big-time, you know, estate sales, you know, with big, you know, half-acre, two, five-acre lots kind of thing where you can fly this thing over and really – and maybe you somehow backhaul that that video image into something you're presenting, you know, back at their office or something. But for the day to day, uh, an AV integration and everything all, that we all do, I I think it's cool. I, I love walking up and seeing them in a booth, but I don't know that I'm going to be uh, building a business plan around, uh, you know, deploying those devices. And the other part of it is, and the government gets in the middle of that. Wow, you know that. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur and, and regulatory and all that stuff with a government sticking their nose and doing all those kind of things in there. Although I do think it's necessary with drones. I, that's just kind of like, you know, yet another reason to kind of maybe, uh, to Chris's point, maybe uh, shy away from it. And, uh, you know, again, look at it in a trade show and, you know, as a technology person, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I hope they keep enhancing them, but uh, I'm not sure we're going to be deploying any of them for our customers anytime soon. Yeah. All right. Yes, sir. I, I, 
just to just to, to wrap this up, hmm? we're we're three integrators, four integrators here, or four former integrators here. We're only seeing what we know of these things. There are drone people and drone experts out there who can come in here and sing to you the praises of what drones can do that we don't know. But specifically, if you tough application cell for us. When you go to the Infocoms and you see them floating around in their cage, that's great. But no other piece of hardware we have is floating around in the cage. So, you know, it's you're right. It's a sizzle. It's 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 a hot piece of technology. If you take that in comparison to some other types of technology that are starting to peek through at Infocom, the VR applications, uh, you know, with people with the glasses and people walking around on treadmill type things and that may lean more towards what we do than the drone. I see, I see the drone as an accessory to something that people need, but there's definitely a whole group of segment of people that can speak about the benefits of drones and what they can do in other areas better than we can. Hey, Tim, just one quick aside on that to, to kind of uh, follow up on Chris's remarks. It just whatever it's worth and not to beat this to death there, but um, my son mentioned that uh, he was at a wedding outside of Chicago, I think it was last week, and they had a drone flying over the wedding. They did. It was an uh, Indian uh, wedding, and they had the dancing and all of uh, outfits and everything. And he said it was very cool. So maybe if you're an event, you know, planner and a wedding, that, that may be highly appropriate. And I think Chris is right. You know, we're all kind of limited about what we we know in our world, kind of thing, and what we get uh, looking out there. But I think there's a whole group of people out there that are focused on applications, and you know, maybe making this more mainstream. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's uh, move on to our, our next story here. It's from uh, well, two, two, two buddies. Uh, one is the, the folks over at Commercial Integrator. And by way of our good friend, our new, well, at least our new friend, Mr. Noble Crawford, uh, who we were able to meet in person at, uh, at Infocom this, this year. Um, Noble talks about three ways AV integrators can increase sales using digital content. Quote, unquote, digital content can be defined as online content, blogs, video, images, audio, um, infographics, etc., all of which are instrumental in helping to increase sales revenues in today's marketplace. Uh, Jay, I actually want to start with you on this one because you're an entrepreneur and because of you've got your own company here. How, uh, besides some of the ways that Noble has mentioned here, how can integrators, how can people who are trying to get their name out, whether it's an individual or it's a company, use things like digital content to engage an audience and uh, bottom line drive sales. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate it, uh, Tim. You know, we, we've put a lot of effort in this area because like a lot of integrators out there, we've been struggling to try to grow the business over the last several years. And, and we're in the Southeast interactive solutions. We're based in Memphis. And so, uh, newsflash, it's not the middle of the Silicon Valley. <laughs> so we don't have a lot of opportunity. Now, we got to drive a long way to find a prospect. But, but I think one of the ways we've been able to, to uh, uncover more, frankly, is that we invested in a social media uh, support person uh, who also uh, helped us with revamping our website, putting videos on there, putting a lot better and more uh, discernible content. I definitely uh, can tell you that over the last year and a half or so in particular that we have increased sales, uh, particularly uncovered new prospects because we have been very active on social media and revamped the website and, and done those kind of things that um, 
and and the thing about it is, I guess I just uh, on a point of that, you, when you're doing these kind of things, it's great to say digital marketing. Go do your website. Go whatever social media. I think there's another aspect of it, which is you you've got to provide good content, but you've got to be consistent. You can't go dump a bunch of stuff in there one month and then ignore it for three. It's not going to work. And I think that the continuum of our effort and and trying to look. Uh, you know, frankly, more than AV integrators, we want to really look more like technologists. And so we want to be out there kind of talking about, you know, other technologies. And Chris pointed out about drones or whatever else that's out there. It's not like we're going to be selling all this stuff to people, but we want them to be aware of the fact we know about that kind of stuff. Many times integrators struggle to monetize this whole thing with social media in particular. And, and I'll say it again, that we can sure. give you data to support the fact that we've been able to sell more stuff well, to new uh, products. That's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you have to monetize network. it? I mean, do you have to monetize? When I say that, meaning do you have to make money off Twitter specifically or, or, or social media specifically, or can you, can you hook that into just marketing efforts in general? Uh, well, I think you can hook it into marketing efforts in general, but I think that one of the big bugaboos against social media, at least in the industry that I've heard of the past, is like, you know, it's cool, it's neat, you expose, whatever, but but there's no, you, you don't really get anything out of it. It's all fluff, and I, I'm, what I'm uh, trying to talk about here at this point is for us, I mean, I'm an I'm a entrepreneur, but I'm also the owner and the bottom line guy, and yeah. I'm going to spend money to support this. What are we getting out of it? And we've actually ha had some really, uh, some nice new things, not dr not dramatic, Tim, but, but some, and then the other part of it is our customers and our prospects, it's an expectation thing. If you're a technology mm -hmm. company, how come you're not on social media? Bingo. They would laugh you, they'd laugh you off the, you know, the, the, the opportunity or whatever. So it's, that's another reason why we do it. Expectation from our customers and prospects. All right, Mr. Tucker, go ahead and go. So I think Jay hit on a really good couple of points here. One, that you have to be engaged in the social media and you have to be going after people that are not just your end clients, right? You're going after the architects. You're going after communities who are interior designers. You're going after the people who own those homes or are into those things and watch HGTV. That's where you get your client base from. Even if it's word of mouth, that becomes sort of a building block. And Jay mentioned that you have to keep consistent, that you can't just put it out there and leave them, you know, stagnating for two, three months. It's sort of like rotating the stock on the shelves, right? You mm. need to do that. Uh, and you need to be able to engage with that all the time. But something else Jay brought up, which I think is really important, and it's something that we are seeing in our industry as a change. Jay said we are technologists. That's different from being an integrator or an installer. We're being seen sometimes in the same level as the guys who do the TV shows or the ones who manufacture the products. They want to know from us that we understand its application. Even if it's a minute video saying, here's why this new technology is important or this new device. Here's why we install it the way we do. It's even so much as saying, hey, we use specialized uh, Wi-Fi. Why? Because it does this for you. That's, the, I think, the real turning point there is that this digital engagement, beyond being your new slate and beyond being your new way of reaching out, it is reframing who we are to the end client. And that's really important because that's what they're looking for. We're at, as integrators, where the manufacturers were, say, eight years ago. They were saying, why? Okay, I don't get it. Oh, now I see. All right, Mr. Neto, and, and I, I, I've saved Chris for last because he is, is kind of our uh, social media guru and, and guerrilla marketer for Aviation. Um, how do people do this? How do integrators uh, tack, tack onto this? Well, it's a, it's a resource that's out there. 
and it's up to the the integrators to decide whether they want to do it or not. What they are missing, okay? If you go to the recent, um, one of the sites that I go to is AKA TV. AKA TV's put out there. It's a sister site for Daily Dough. Dot, uh, for for our, our friends over in Europe, Daily Dough. They are measuring just Twitter hashtag metrics, okay? And to see the numbers that came out of Infocom, for example. Now that is a show, right? But it's only over a course of four days, right? You're getting millions of hits, okay? I myself looked at that. I had three million impressions just by me alone off of what I was doing. In comparison to some large companies, I was coming in right in there with the big boys of our industry. Well, you were a top 10, yeah. dude. I was top, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely up there. And what does that do? Um, people are watching. People are listening, and people are uh, paying attention to this. It's not just from a sales perspective. Yes, you can blanket. You know, you want to compare it to something. Try throwing. Um, you know, once you have that big network, try throwing. Um, get on a plane with a whole bunch of flyers about your company and dump them over a city. That's carpet bombing, basically, of of social media. The thing is, the people that are picking up those things and reading it is what we're seeing in the engagement and in the impressions. So, it's. Not necessarily just sales, it's customer service. It's something that I talked about recently, uh, recent conversation I just had where, yeah, I can have uh, a, a social media plan and my plan is to go out and sell X amount of things, right? But from a trust perspective, being available to those people, if you are a company and I am responding to questions that could be answered one, two, three on social media as opposed to sitting on hold and waiting. It's a new form of customer service as well. And by having that, it's enabling your customers to feel very confident in the product that they're buying and assured that they, hey, we can get an answer right now. The big and, you know, the biggest and baddest companies, baddest mean like cool companies that are working the social media thing correctly, may not exactly be in our industry, but take a look at companies like Pepsi, um, uh, Coke, uh, some of the small, even some of the lesser known brands. Man, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, and this is what it, Infocom is talking about, the exceptional experience. This is not new. Infocom did not come up with this. Okay, do not, don't take this the wrong way, Infocom, but a whole industry is after that, that exact same thing. Yeah. You go to a Burger King, you eat a burger, it's bad. You go on social media, you complain about it, Burger King is going to answer. You know, that is... At least they better. The Was that? I said, at least they better. Well, they better. Well, of course. I mean, I've seen people go on and say, this is my McMuffin. There's no muffin in this McMuffin. Yeah. You know, and next thing you know, they're sending them, you know, we're sorry, we apologize. You know, let us know how we can make a difference. And that's the experience. Okay. This all ties back to a little thing that me, you, and George went to go see last year during Digital Signage Week. And it struck with me, and it's been a huge um, thing as far as social media, but it also helps understand signage is the only part of our industry that figured out this experience and interacting with social and how to make that work. Yeah. The retail space and the signage space have that downright from the pumping the right sounds into a space. If it's music, if it's pumping smells into a space, because it's giving you that experience. Experience is more something above and beyond what we're used to as an industry, as integrators. I think it grows way Bigger than well, it actually goes back to, um, you know, giving folks an experience as opposed to worrying about the ones and zeros, 
right? Yes, product numbers and, and, and serial numbers and MAC addresses are important. Resolutions are important, right? But is it more important than, than a CEO walking in and going, holy crap, this is a cool space, right? Yes, you know, you, you to get there, you have to understand the resolution. You have to understand, um, you know, is it HD? Is it 4K? Is it 6K? Is it 8K? Is it UHD? But he didn't care. She doesn't care when she walks in and everything just works, right? They care because it gives them an exceptional experience, to, to use you know the phrase Chris used. Um, that's what they care about, right? Same thing with, with content. They care because it connects with them, right? They care because when they have a question, Jay's company's website comes up because they have a question about, you know, what's better, 4K or 8K? And Jay's company's written a, a blog post, and, and he's done his SEO right, and he comes up as, as a top search in his area. And that was completely free, Jay. I'm not charging you for that idea. Um, <laughs> Thanks, uh, but you know, but that's the thing is, 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 is all kind of comes together and, and, and we're, we're seen as, again, Jay's point, we're seen as technologists, right? We're able to, to deliver people an exceptional experience because of our knowledge, but also because we understand how to get to the wow instead of just, you know, here's, here's some, some fancy schmancy, um, you know, product names. So that you yeah, this, know, this is the, this is the way it is. I mean, the way it's becoming now is, you know, you have paid endorsements, you can go out right now and hire somebody famous to do AV Nation stuff at, at really? Infocom. It's great that you've got somebody. Well, we don't have the money to do that, so don't do that. Um, you, we can go out and get a celebrity to interview people at the at the booths, right? But what does that do? That puts a, a guy with you know uh, whitened teeth and and fancy hair and a slick suit interviewing somebody, which is great. But what do they bring? What are they bringing to the table? I think that the new the new way of marketing is the regular guy, is the guy who's there, who has been in the trenches, who knows what's going on. That sort of endorsement is what's pushing not just our industry, but a lot of industry. It's the guy who spent, you know, years slaving over, you know, how to make this brick wall look better. And now he's a brick expert. And now he's at the places talking about how do you make these bricks prettier or better or stronger. And he brings a certain level of credibility. We are now entering the world of street cred, man. Street cred has finally hit corporate. Mm -hmm. No, that's what it's called. Personal, right? Yep. Yeah. All right, Tucker. What do they say? They all say, "What personal is personal." Yep, personal is personal. So next year, Tucker will get Mark Messier and Brian Erlocker in our booth. <laughs> I, I had to throw Messier in there for the Rangers fan. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. And if you don't know who Brian Erlocker is, he's a famous linebacker that used to play for the Bears. So. All right, here we go. Dumb bears. Last story here, real quickly, guys, before we run out of time. Tips for choosing an event production company from our friends over at AV Magazine. Quote, unquote, choosing the right company is arguably the single most important step you'll take when planning your event. Choose the wrong one, and you could run into all sorts of problems and money overages. I'm just going to throw that part in there. Susie Douglas from First Network shares her tips. Mr. Netta, we'll start with you, considering you help us make one of our our, our, our biggest event that we do, which is the Tweet Up. Um, how do you produce, how do you choose, you know, a production company? When you're doing these these, these big events, I think George is going to be the, the, the go-to on this one more That's so than anybody else. So we're going to save him for last, because he he'll, he'll bring the pain uh, and the real numbers, which will make us cry. Um, choosing the right production company is the right thing to do for a big staged event. Uh, for these small things, you know, tips that 
you need to look for, um, which driving our, you know, all types of business right now is the content. You can have the prettiest display. And these guys in the production, you know, uh, side of the business can show you a 25,000 lumen laser projector that shoots fire out of its ears for all I care. You know, but if the content that's not going up there is not coordinated correctly, this thing is just not, it's going to fall flat. We've been to events where the sound has killed the event because the whole yep. time you're going, eh, eh, you know, they did not bring the proper uh, audio to it. It can completely ruin the event. I, you know, that is such a no-brainer uh, uh, article in terms of for us being the specter. And you know for a fact that we four cannot sit in any seminar without staring at the projector, without mm -hmm. looking at the speaker. Is that guy mic'd? You know, what, what, what is there a conflict? How is that guy even talking? So, yeah, you want to you wanna ruin your event? Go out and get, you know, Joe Trunk Slammer to come and give you uh, – you know, two uh, Gemini speakers and a and a thirty-two inch tube TV on the on display. All right, Jay, how do you uh, how do you choose an event company? Well, I, I'm going to go with Chris on the thing. I mean, I think you've got to be number one. We, we're very careful and very selective. And one of the things we always try to do because we've done a little bit of of some live events, but that's not our our major business. We're an integrator, AV and video conferencing. But um, we go for references. Who have you done this for before? And, and then we'll call those references and, and get the big thing to me, Tim, is the details and that they handle those details and that the quality of the work. And so those references, we, we, we vet out everybody basically that way and, um, you know, somewhat on reputation and everything. But we try to do the old trust and verify kind of thing. But um, for our own use, you know, that's the way we go about it. And then we'll get calls from customers and prospects and say, you know, we have this going on. Who would you recommend? And so we're very careful about who we recommend. And going back to the, the whoever we recommend, it's somebody that has good references and, and, and a reputation. Not not one or two events match the environment that they the you know the uh, that there's interest in. But you know, we we've been on kind of both sides of it. That's sort of my thoughts on it. Get ready, Jay, because I'm about to ask you a question instead of Tim. We're going to put Tim on mute for a second. You are one of the few people of the of the panels that are here that do present. So what's bad when you're up there? Well, you, in terms of the live event, what's bad? Yeah, you're I mean, giving us – I'm looking for the perspective, from the perspective of the speaker who's up there. Sure. What would be something that, you know, you need as a presenter to make – Yes. Yeah. yeah. Chris, does it help the technology? At the CI summit about millennials and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think this is pretty much uh, like a lot of guys that do the public speaking. I mean, your audio has got to be, it's, you can't have any breakup or, and it has to be easily accessible. I don't need some kind of nice lavalier some clearance on the stage. And then, you know, the other thing is confidence monitors. If you're going to go out there, public speaker, we're doing a speech or a presentation uh, to be able to read those effectively and not have to squint or something else. That's very plain vanilla stuff, but a quality audio and quality video in terms of the confidence monitors uh, and clearance on the stage where I'm not having to hop around to do things. That's always worked well for me. Oh, awesome. Thank you. George, what's your thoughts on this? All right. So the guys make a great, great points. And the article goes through, what, five factors that you need to really look at. It's uh, experience, proof of experience, 
the quality of your staff and the quality of your gear and all that's related, right? The quality of your gear is, is, in, is directly related to the quality of your staff. Uh, you need to know that you've had the experience to do those things and that you are in that range of what's needed. Some of those smaller guys, they're good for what they do. And it's not to be sort of scoffed off just because a bigger boy is around. Uh, we do a lot of corporate work. We do a lot of work with, you know, million-dollar uh, uh, shows. But that doesn't mean we're the right one all the time. What you need to look into is things like, is the crew maintaining their education or are they just freelancers for them? Does the shop own the gear? Are they maintaining it correctly? That really does matter a lot. Do they know the halls? Have they sent someone to look there? That kind of stuff is really important. Uh, so your good staging or event, live events place is really more about what your expectations are, what your budget is, and what the quality of that work is. There's great people on all levels. Just have to make sure, uh, just like you would go to a tattoo artist and make sure that their book is of, full of photographs of what they've done, you want to make sure that these guys have done what they're supposed to do. So uh, when it all comes down to it, though, if you really are undecided, you just come to World Stage. <laughs> hey, no, I have no problem with that. Um, all right, so um, I just got a wonderful email from my, my uh, internet service provider. Apparently, they're having outage issues all over St. Louis. So this has been a fun show to do uh, up and down on the internet. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for your, for your patience and, and for helping me do this uh, while I uh, run with two squirrels and a gerbil. Um, <laughs> Mr. J, nice having you on, sir. Where can people find you? Thank you for having me on the show, Tim. Uh, how can people find you? Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, Jay uh, Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, at ISITN.com is the email. And on a Twitter handle, it's at J-B, like in boy, J-B Myers. Uh, and that's how you can find me on Twitter. All right, very good. Mr. Neto, sir, thank you. Hey, thank you, man. Always good. Let's hurry up and get this done before your internet shuts off. Tell me about it, brother. Go, go tell people how to find you. <laughs> you can find me at Chris underscore Neto. At, uh, you can also find me on the web at uh, abhelpdesk.com. That is the company I work for. You can find me at avnation.tv. And uh, you're not going to tell uh, anybody else, so please follow Tim Albright. Because he'll tell you at the end that he won't follow you. That's yeah. my new sign-off. That's your new sign-off? All right. <laughs> Mr. Tucker, take us home, sir. You can find me at tucker Twos on almost every social media platform. Uh, I write for Commercial Integrator and for Higher Ed Tech, as well as some smaller imprints and AV Nation TV. All right, very good. Uh, actually, Mr. Neto and I will be hanging out together in uh, this uh, big old Boston, Massachusetts, uh, 1st of August, uh, so you can come check us out. It's called Infocom on Campus in Boston, Massachusetts, co-located, co-located with Campus Technology. I'll put a link up on uh, how to get to that if you're in the Massachusetts or the New, New England area. Uh, Chris and I will be talking about um, uh, uh, higher ed and classroom technology and, and where uh, where it's all going. Uh, so some of that's com- coming from a couple of the sessions we did at, uh, during Infocom. But also uh, some new content that, that we're creating. So uh, Neto's right. Don't follow me on the, on, on the Twitters, but go uh, by the website if you will, please. avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You will find this very program and a host of others with a host of new hosts. Uh, Mr. Matt D. Scott has taken over uh, Resi Week. That's, that's every Monday. Um, Bill O'Donnell, EdTech, uh, and Steve Greenblatt is recording a new uh, State of Control next week sometime. So check that out, would you would please. Also, the, the content that I, I mentioned at the very beginning um, having to do with the FCC as well as uh, net neutrality uh, and some weird, wonderful um, um, 
how do I put the the Rule Forty One, Tucker? Um, well, Bradford basically said we uh, the government wants to look into your computer. Do you want to let them? So <laughs> let's just put it yeah. that way and and leave it there. It's on the website if you want to check it out. Avnation.tv. Uh, check that out. Tell our, our our wonderful underwriters thanks for for supporting us and and helping us do what we do. So Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Thank you.